0: I thought, uh, hey, plus everything's doing fellow around the crop and try to send me big gear cutter. was like such a thrilling experience. Finally, I the big year, everyone come together. Honestly uh, like, looking back and pre-factors
1: like uh changing. And Hardy, hearty welcome to episode eleven of the Big Year Podcast. I'm Robert Bomander. Glad I remembered my name. And I'm your guide to the life of the big year birding experience. Late in the year 2011, which seems like a lifetime ago, I saw a little movie called, oddly, or not surprisingly, The Big Year. I did note that one of my favorite actors, Steve Martin, was starring in it. I was also a fan of Jack Black and remembered him from way back when I saw High Fidelity. And who doesn't love Owen Wilson? I don't. No, everybody does. Not me. You love him. Okay. So I told Sue that I'd like to see it. And from the previews, I just thought it was like another buddy movie. Sue didn't let on that it was actually about birding. Or I may not have gone. But we did go. And by the time the protagonists got to the island of Attu, I was so drawn into the prospect of big years that I could see myself doing that. Keep in mind, at the time, I was not a birder and had only ever used binoculars at the racetrack. When during the credits, they showed all of the birds Owen Wilson's character had seen with a Guster song, this could all be yours someday. I was pretty much hooked. I had remembered that Sue had the book The Big Year by Mark Obmasek from the library, and I really hadn't given it a second thought. Now I had to read the book. Well, listen to the audiobook. I love audiobooks. Even while listening to the book, I was secretly planning a big year. Not a full-out ABA plus A2 version, but a smaller big year birding wherever I traveled across North America. I had a full-time job that took up the majority of my year and my days, but what could it hurt to do a little birding along the way and maybe see, oh, I don't know, 300 or so species as I learned how to bird and what it took to become a birder. The trouble was I really didn't acknowledge it at the time. I was suffering or perhaps gifted with obsessive compulsive disorder. On a January trip to California, A guide said that if I really wanted to do a big year, I had to go to Arizona, the Rio Grande Valley of Texas, and Alaska. How could I possibly do that while working full-time, and I really had zero spare dollars in my bank account? Well, it turns out, if you are obsessive and determined enough, you can make a good stab at it. At the end of the year, I was thousands of dollars in debt, but had seen 600 species, Last year, I completed a Canada big year. According to eBird, I finished one short of the all-time record, but they don't include the Indian peafowl that live and breed in Victoria, British Columbia. And if that darn limbkin had just flown far enough across the Niagara River into Canadian airspace, I'd have counted 458 species for my Canada big year and would have had the all-time record. Woe is me. But ifs and buts, as my mother used to say, however, In Ontario, in 2022, one young man did break a record. Kaya Jasper, at the age of just 20, I'm 63, so yeah, just 20, broke the all-time record for an Ontario big year. He traveled thousands of miles, sometimes in terrible weather and on roads no burger had ever been to in the farther northern regions of Ontario, which put it... In perspective as a larger area than texas when it was all said and done kaya had seen 359 species blowing by the previous record of 343 species set in 2017. so it's not a coincidence that kaya is the final guest on my five-part series on the birders of the ontario 2022 big year. But first, an apology. This episode was recorded back in early 2023 and was one of the first I recorded before I had my proper recording setup. Totally my fault. In fact, I should have been sacked right on the spot for failing to make my podcast sound better early on. But I have persevered, and using all manner of sound-adjusting audio tools, I have tinkered with and massaged this recording into something you may be able to listen to and understand. I thank you in advance for your understanding. Well... How else can i thank you since i am saying this before even finishing the final edit well once again as you see the ocd and adhd have reared its ugly head and i've caused me to go on and on and on so in addition to the apology for the sound recording now i have to apologize for the length of this introduction and promise to make the summary at the end just as long i mean just as i mean just a much much shorter yes shorter. Thank you, and I hope you have enjoyed today's episode. It was great to talk to Kai. Oh, what? Sorry. Sue says I haven't actually played the interview. Never mind. So, in addition to my apology for the sound and the long-winded introduction, I'm sorry that I almost forgot to play the actual interview. With that said, I will bid you adieu, and we'll be back in about 30 minutes. Please enjoy. So, welcome to the Big Year Podcast, and with me today is my special guest, Kaya Jasper, who set the record for Ontario for a big year with 359 species. Welcome to the show, Kaya.
0: Hey, Rob. Great to be here.
1: Thank you for joining me. It's been a lot of fun following the Ontario big year birders while I've been traipsing across Canada last year, and in kind of a nice little bit of serendipity, both of us want our respective big years. I topped Canada, and you topped Ontario. but uh, You set a new record, which must have been pretty exciting for you.
0: Yeah, it was like such a thrilling experience planning, and then like finally exiting the big year and having everything come together, finally coming and breaking the record in October. It was a crazy experience.
1: What prompted you this particular year to do a big year?
0: Yeah, so I was originally planning on getting my big year in 20 but then I started out during my first week of the COVID lockdown, so I had made- I immediately canceled because, like, I can not proceed with that. And, and that ended up being a year for in the province for, so,
1: like, rarities and hey, This probably was one of the best years on record for rarities in Ontario. Yeah, definitely up there. And you are how old now? I'm 20 right now. That's pretty young to be starting a big year. A lot of people do it with a lot more experience. What is your sort of... Story of getting into birding and becoming a skilled enough birder to, at the age of twenty, travel across the province to yep. set the record.
0: Yeah. So I grew up always being interested in nature. See that like their ravens or chickadees in the backyard. I did this great backyard bird count with my mom when I was about five years old, and then I didn't really have a curious interest in birds until I turned fourteen. My neighbor bought me a point and shoot camera, and I started photographing all the birds around me. And I wanted to know what they were. And that led me to discover golden eagles and wintering snowy owls. I met a fellow young birder, and we attended the Olopo Young Birders Camp, the Gondonfin Park, first year of Hill. And that was, like, my first new and like hearing about competitive birding, so I was in 2017. Uh, after that, I okay, I watched the big year news, and I read all the books I could I That was kind of a cool idea. So I couldn't say I committed to stealing one until 2020. Because I realized it's has fun for time for, like, high school before I continued on with your play. So I thought, hey, what better get everything to do than sell around the problem and try to send me a It was like a relief that I had broken the record, but at the same time, there's two other birders hot on my tail.
1: And when you went into this year, did you have, obviously you had a plan, but did you have a budget that you were going to stick to? Or was it do it as you went and, and pay for it later?
0: Yeah, so I and then during the summer months i have work as much as I can make working with my budget for the fall. And that
1: worked out pretty well. But one thing I know from the past, working and trying to do a big year is not the easiest thing in the world. And budgeting is probably the most difficult part of the whole extravaganza.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of birding trips that are easier to budget for. You have like hotel rates and you roughly how things are going to be. like for a big year it's a tough to budget, like a price
1: last year were horrible i remember that because i found gas prices in various parts of the country by summer were twice what i was paying in january and that certainly cut into my budget as well
0: yeah and on top of that like you really can't budget for any birds like summer five four five six trips they may be like five ten hours away that's never
1: how much driving you're really going back to do until it all starts to pan out And you had a few other, either you could call them competitors or you could call them birding buddies. Did you try and share the load with Ezra and Andy and some of the others? Yeah,
0: that was really helpful for some cases. Like For example, we went on a northern trip, but we went on two, one in January and one in February. Just like driving up past like Thunder Bay and like in far northwestern Ontario, it was really helpful to have additional drivers and more eyes
1: spotting things. That is a huge benefit, yes. And obviously it saves on, you can share the cost. Were you camping, sleeping in the car, or did you try and bunk up in hotels? Really
0: trying to cut costs whenever we could. We did one trip like towards Thunder Bay and then across the Loughran area. We did have to get motels simply because it was like my journey. That was set for parents. The other trip, we did that at cat We camped on the winter route. Between
1: Me and I, watched cat for three nights, and the
0: temperatures went
1: down to minus forty-five. An and, and did you have obviously thermal underwear and thermal sleeping bags? But yeah, like I
0: slept in my full shelter, and then I minus forty sleeping bag wrapped in minus twenty. Wow. Which makes me feel better. I like to think I made a minus sixty, but that's sleeping bag for.
1: No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't accumulate that way.
0: Yeah, one night, my one nocturnal. Oh nothing quite like cold and intense, but it's
1: true. But I guess the adventure and doing things that you've never done before and surviving them is part of what makes it great.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, it's the whole experience to me. Like, of course, the birds are going to have big access, right? Like, you're trying to break a big year record and see if many birds you can, but... Yeah, for sure. And that's another reason I want to do a big year. Like, numbers aside, just, like, spending a whole year looking at birds and watching, like, even bald eagles soaring overhead and doing their fantastic like spiraling mating display like just watching all the moments with birds not seeing them as numbers that was a huge part of it too, too. like i've never been really east of toronto birding or against any of modern ontario so, like seeing all these new places and sites and cool like mammal geography that
1: was like such a cool highlight what was the one place that before you started, you were looking most forward to visiting? Not necessarily for birds, but just for the scenery and the excitement of it. And is there a place that you ended up seeing that was even more spectacular than you imagined?
0: There's a lot that I wasn't really planning on looking forward to. A American in carryout that I really fell in love with. But I'll honestly, play Point Pelee. I've never been to Point Peely in spring, if you can believe it last year and experiencing like the whole hyper
1: migration there in May the whole year for sure Point Peely for anyone doing a big year whether it's an ABA big year or an Ontario big year or a Canada big year is one of the highlights for everybody it's certainly this year at Point Peely was my favorite year being there my first year I ever went to Point Peely it was like hidden warblers crouching sparrows there was Almost nothing to see that year, and uh, this year was spectacular, and we chased a lot of good rarities too.
0: So good. I remember my first real experience with Keeley, like the highest Spring Migration, it was on April 24th, and that's when that huge wave of neotropic migrants hit. And we got all of our work on that day, like all ones like Black Bull, very traditional, later in May. Yeah. I think what people call it jeepers, it's like a filter tripping bird on E-Birds, which means where it was like rare for the location or rare for the day. large burrow may not fit,
1: and some of the managers will. And uh, speaking of not Point Peely, but the day at Long Point where we had a couple of rarities right practically next to each other. Did you get there for both of those?
0: Yeah, it's funny. I have something great from the first one, one found, and so I drove down. The Eurasian tree sparrow, right?
1: We weren't actually there for the Eurasian tree sparrow, we were there for the lark sparrow and in fact I was, had the lark sparrow in my binoculars and I was just thrilled that I got that bird and literally out of nowhere the Eurasian tree sparrow just hopped out of the bushes and that was the most unexpected bird of the season and maybe of the year too. Yeah,
0: that was a crazy one for me because a few days previous I'd been down to chase the lark sparrow and then I had history.
1: Eurasian tree sparrow. In twenty twelve I chased the Eurasian tree sparrow to its native area in St. Louis and I've seen them in other places that they were not expected to be seen. What were some of the other birds that you felt like weren't even on your radar that you ended up getting to see this year? I was highlight
0: with Marsh in Bedford. one by James And like such a mind blowing variety. I think it's like Thirteenth
1: record for North America, the first away from like Alaska and California, and the first for Canada too. Like, both on no one's radar for a first for Ontario. That was uh, an exciting bird. I was in Vancouver and had a flight scheduled two days later, and I got on the phone and switched my flight to the next morning and was worried that I was not going to get there on time, and luckily, it all worked out, and it's actually stayed a couple of extra days. I was there, and pouring rain didn't get a very good picture, but I got a kind of a grainy video. How was your picture of the marsh sandpiper?
0: It's really decent, but I'm definitely feeling that bird, and it's only like maybe two hours before sunset. Right. So I won't really disclose the of that, but it was definitely the most intense case.
1: <laughs> Sometimes we don't want to talk about how fast we drove. Exactly. When I got there, I watched the
0: bird for a while. The middle of the down there, it's <laughs> not great views, but I got some like little flight shots. And then it circled up really fine to get the birds in the northwest. And then everything passed. And
1: we're like, oh no, no one's going to turn after us. Oh. I mean, sure enough, it was bad. So, we're pretty surprised, i don't suppose anyone who's doing the Ontario Big Years missed it.
0: Yeah,
1: no, sure. And yeah. some of the places you went to up north, what were some of your target birds?
0: Yeah, so I'm going to so get all the owls and all the pinches and like northern woodpeckers and crows. So spruce growth, sharp-tailed growth, and like the tough ones, like great gray owl, northern hawk owl, and American three-toed woodpecker. Get out of the way early, and also we red
1: pole in case it's bad winter. Yeah. I only saw one entire year. Yeah, I think I only saw a few, too. Like, we got all of those targets either, like, around
0: Thunder Bay, mainly around Tawson one target for the low-term, mm-hmm. And for that one, we, that's the one we went to Ettawak for. So that was kind of, like, uncharted territory, Like, no mm-hmm. one's really done that trip ever in Cario's Burning. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's a winter road that goes all the way, like, from Cure Rock Falls up from Miss Meese to Attawalk. And I think that mm-hmm. road was open. The leaving room. You open for about four or five years. And no murder have really come in for Like, we come the see a decent but there's no reports to go on. If we went out, you're going to spend three nights, maybe four. And then the first few days, it was really concerning. Like, uh, Claude's forty was up there, actually, about the old member conference, told 20 or so in the is crazy, including three in the same spot. Wow. And then we got that hour. Of-
1: Wonderful! Did you get the great gray owl, by the way? Yeah, I
0: have one earlier, but then something better on that same
1: road. Then saw the little. Very cool. I got mine in minus forty in Quebec. I birded a few days in minus forty. What was the coldest day you were out birding? That you wished you were not out birding? It in the
0: where we got term again, minus forty five. I think there was like a slight wind chill.
1: Was <laughs> threefold. W- w- at which point it doesn't really matter anymore. Once it's minus forty five.
0: You can't the side of the room. Everything's cold. Then you wake up. and You have to take apart the tent. You that, you have to take like your larger
1: gloves off. Yes. It's so cold like your eye was just
0: breathing. Then you get in the car. The car is so cold. It doesn't warm up for an hour. It's an hour being like so cold. Just waiting for you to work. So that's definitely the work.
1: From my experience, when you're 20, that it's not as bad as when you're 60. That's for sure. I had to purchase... Heated mittens, which got me through some of the worst, coldest days that I birded in. And Baffin Island boots that are rated to minus 60. Yeah, I think on
0: that not I grew I just make rates around. They're rated to a certain type of trip. They're not actually good for it. It's like more of an advertising thing. My feet were certainly cold for the majority.
1: Was there any point in the year where you just thought, especially on the some of the trips that you did by yourself, that you thought, what the heck? Did I get myself into? Yeah, that
0: was like, I was in my goal, but constantly on the road, like long nights of driving, you know,
1: I <laughs> I know the feeling. What was the longest trip you did by yourself? And was there any point where, got to the point where you were thinking, how am I going to get out of this? Or got lost? Or were actually afraid at any point?
0: I being on my own driving. It's pretty good. It's like downloading maps to him. So I'm getting lost was a really big issue. I'd say honestly, like, you'll be trying to too. to, like, from your shirt. You know, in the road, the biggest issue is fatigue. So, like, driving eight plus hours. Then, like, your eyes are getting in the area. Moments
1: that have had. You start yelling to yourself and singing out loud and having conversations with no one just to keep yourself going.
0: Exactly. I drove one stretch from north of uh, Thunder Bay. It's over towards One River. I can't remember the sound right now. And I drove all the way to St. Marie, one stretch. and it was, like. Fourteen hours or so. That was and that was like very brutal. Like those morning Ontario roads, fog, like seeing transport tracks on the side of the road that move, starting experience for sure, like
1: white back on the wheel. I had a few drives like that. I had a a drive where I went to somewhere in Quebec for a rare bird that I didn't see, and then while I was there, five different people contacted me that the Stellar Sea Eagle had returned and shown up in New Brunswick and at that point I looked at the GPS and it said seven hours and I thought oh that's only seven hours I can do it but then you get there and you get the bird and everything's great and then you set your GPS for home and you realize that you're 17 and a half hours from home that was a daunting experience. Yeah I've
0: certainly been there before but yeah and then the whole care scale.
1: It's something that you may consider doing someday. Or is this your one big year and you're happy with what you did and you don't need to do it again?
0: I don't really have any plans to do it again. Like, it was a great taxable event. I think it a stressful and, like, big financial things. But I don't know. I can see myself being a better Ontario big year in the future. a long way the
1: one. You have to pick a good year with a leap year to break the record.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, it's real for size. Like, manageable getting around I want to big on the especially like for one or two cards and budget wise, too. I
1: had through do that once last year, and there was a full exario up in our district. We flew to Winnipeg, rented a car, which I Susan Nick, and got that. That was like the only slight Okay. As far as Susan, Andy, Ezra, and William, did you at any point feel a bit of competition stress? Were you going all out in December to win? There's definitely some of that. Like especially with
0: Ezra. Like he was so close behind me for a lot of the year. Like mainly two was five birds behind the so there's a lot of time to keep my lead and stay ahead. And especially in December, when William close
1: again. Yeah, William came out of nowhere, didn't he? Yeah, William's the
0: process like the the year like this summer. I like, think back then he was behind by thirteen burn back and why with Ezra's own yeah, like I was playing in Ontario a week earlier, like in late December. And then they caught up and
1: like <laughs> that changed my whole attitude in december as well because i went after birds that i might not have just to keep the lead and how many did you end up ahead by and like two birds
0: so i ended up at and they were both 367
1: did all of you break the record
0: yeah, like the old record was 346:
1: so you blew it away
0: yeah but it was nice like having competition with you just on those days when they wake up and there's like a bird six hours away For bit, like, especially the
1: what was the furthest you drove for one bird and would have been crushed if you didn't get it?
0: Yeah, so one bird, the on to the town's to so I wasn't even that far away in the town, I was only about two and a half hours away. So I drove straight and missed it. And the next day I went back, but I, w- I got there a bit late and I forgot it, but I missed it completely.
1: Oh, so I'm assuming that there's were some birds that you got that Ezra didn't, and other ones that he got that you didn't. If you both got them all the same uh, the birds, the record might have even been bigger. Yeah, so
0: one thing is going to finish the town record. So I went three days in the record, you know, and i 18 nightmares sitting in one backyard looking at a little bird bath, waiting for the flight. And then there's a cold snap, right? For so the four days that so I'm like okay, I don't like it's So I I drive all the way home to pray that weekend. Seen again. Wait for another hour and finally I got it. Another three thirty two hours
1: of effort, watching and driving. Was that the most expensive bird you got last year?
0: I mean, more than more expensive.
1: What was probably the one bird that you wanted the most that you didn't get? The biggest one that jumped out is the common owl up in Toronto. In
0: December that wasn't seen first week and then. Me, and William took a trip up to get very fresh and slide Kelly. Northern second day up there, burrowing out in the truck. So a lot of us were over. See it. And the next day we went back, missed it. Got a few more days, missed it. was so, it seen again in April apparently. <laughs> was there, but no one knew about it. That's most exciting. everything.
1: That like. That's what I started telling myself before even the end of February that. You just have to be excited for the trip that you made and if you get the bird, woohoo. But if you don't just look around at what you're actually seeing and where you are and places that you never thought you would ever be. I think that's one of the great things about birding is it's not always the birds, it's the places the birds take you to. Yeah, i into
0: it too I have a mentality. I miss the bird, like move on. You can swell on that bird, Keep swell on it, that gets you all down. You're like, well, what am I doing now? Like, get it, move on. Don't get it, move on. But, like, keeping that mindset. But, yeah, like, you said before, if there are things like I could get that like, I could have got a higher total. And there's definitely a few, but, like, honestly, looking back, I'm pretty happy with my strategy and, like, how things could have got. So, if I had foresight, and then, like, okay, the crew's going to show up here.
1: And That's the thing. Best laid plans don't always result in best results. So Even if you think if I had only done this or I'd planned this better, you may have been somewhere that you couldn't get to something like a marsh sandpiper. My strategy, especially toward the end of the year, was that I would rather get two birds that were pretty guaranteed, even if they weren't that rare, than Go across the country for one bird. Sometimes toward the end, were you just going for numbers as opposed to anything else?
0: By the time, like, late October rolled around. It had all the one, two, three, like, so one, two, three species cleaned up in Ontario. So the only addition to be rarity. so basically anything showed up, I chase it. That is where it was or
1: how fair it was. That does make sense. So tell me you went into this big year as the person you were all excited, gung ho about doing a big year. Uh, by the end of 365 days of all that travel, all those lonely nights, all that freezing cold, how did that change you? And how did that make you a better person that you can look forward to the rest of your life and say, because I did this, that's going to make my future even better? The biggest takeaway like, is probably to be like term-
0: determination, and perseverance. You, know, you bird, one, two, three, five times, go back and try again. They're just like not getting discouraged. Like things are basically. Even you know, like it's minus 12 outside, it's super windy, It's, like a horrible day. You go
1: birding, you still get out, get, out, get out bed, get out there and try to find something the there. And did you bird every single day of the year, or were there days where you just had to take a rest and regroup? It's
0: depending on the time of year, or so. Winter, right off the bat, by a lot, just because like it's so exciting. This building new birds, so I birded most of January, and then I got COVID in February, so I was home for a week.
1: That could be a big year killer. Wow, glad it didn't affect your final outcome and your ability to finish. Both so I wanted so
0: COVID to just kind of heal time together when there was nothing around training day in March or late March to so like for you a know. Like in South Western Ontario and Place Galey, like even if nothing was around, I try to talk my own things here. Really, fifty times. Then I work during the summer. Even the fall, I have more strategic, but when I like attempt, I go to a good weather or through something first. If not, I just keep myself in the in case anything showed
1: up. So I don't want to keep you too much longer, but the Advice you would give to someone who is listening, who might be younger or even a few years older, maybe doesn't have as much experience about planning for a big year. What would you tell people who don't really know what that experience is like and what they need to be prepared for?
0: As far as being out of, like, really uncomfortable weather conditions, uh, and driving long distances without being tired, like, practicing driving specialists, there's so many, sketchy situations you get in your own problems. As far as, like, the birding, goes. Like, obviously, you can do a big year, like, personal goals, like, 300 species or whatever you want. But as far as, like, a record time goes, I get really familiar with every common bird Ontario, the how they fly. So you can recognize ones that are there, that you're going to need for a big year. And then, like, also get real close with patterns, which were not yet. Yeah. And you can waste a lot of time and energy chasing birds that finish plus later in the year.
1: That's definitely when I was a beginner back in 2012, that was probably one of the biggest strategic mistakes I made was, and I was doing the ABA area and I was chasing birds in Florida that I wasted time on when they're just regular breeding birds in Arizona. So it is something that the prospective big-year birder definitely needs to learn. How did you get as knowledgeable about birds in a very short time for someone at the age of 20 to be able to be that familiar with the birds and ready to do a big year? I studied e-bird a lot. Like, going into the big year, even like the year of the I studied e-bird range things many big blog from Ontario's birders, and it's like, it's just
0: all just blogging to be like the birds to do at years, year, like Ashland or in particular, everyone really to do blogging preparation spreadsheets and we get through I had to being a personal, Like I was a lot, like during COVID year, I like, for instance, like for Ontario, I my ID I,
1: I congratulate you on your accomplishment hey was fun to follow five of the best birders in Ontario as you guys traveled around the province and also know that I didn't have to worry about you catching me.
0: <laughs>
1: I don't mind at all. I wouldn't have seen over four hundred and fifty species if perhaps if it wasn't for Bruce, and if it wasn't for the Alberta couple that had the big year record. At first, I was thinking, oh man, someone's, someone could catch me. Someone could beat me after all this hard work. And then I thought, this is what you need. As you said, you need the competition. You need someone on your tail to spur you to do things you may never have done. And then you get to the point as where, when am I ever going to be at 450 species again? So just keep going until... The last day of the year one thing that at the end of the big year when you go out birding january 1st of the next year it's a very different and almost more exciting experience because now you're just out there looking at the birds and not worrying about where i'm gonna have to run off to next i've enjoyed actually 2023 birding at a more relaxed pace this year too yeah, for sure. one thing I really enjoy is like encouraging other people who haven't really looked at nature, or birds much,
0: to investigate further and maybe open their eyes to the world of nature.
1: Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. It's very exciting to see so many young birders, and especially the experience you had with Ezra and William and Susan and Andy, all chasing sort of a birding dream. And it was exciting to end up on top. I'm sure. Yeah, it was a great time thanks for having me on i appreciate it and uh, hope to see you out in the field soon. Yeah, see you soon thank you bye-bye once again i'd like to thank not just kaya but susan andy william and ezra for joining me on this look back at the 2022 ontario big year with the ontario big five as i like to call them i don't think anyone else does these are young knowledgeable and determined birders who chase not just birds but their birding dreams too Spending a year traveling to the four corners of a province the size of Ontario was a daunting task. And at the end of the year, where they finished was less important than the adventure they lived and the friends they made along the way. Not to mention all the amazing places they got to visit during the course of the year. Ontario was definitely theirs to discover. Coming up later this year, I'll be talking to a couple of other burgers who have done Ontario Big Years. But next month we will be returning to the ABA area and getting to know Tiffany Kirsten who set the record for a lower 48 big year. Her accomplishment was nothing short of amazing seeing 726 species in the continental U.S. on a limited budget and facing a turning point in her life. Her story is both fascinating and inspiring. So join me on Monday, October 2nd for episode 12 of the Big Year podcast. As always, I will look forward to having the opportunity to share with you why I have such a passion for this crazy pastime. Birding can truly be a transforming experience. Until then, as always, may the birds be with you. I I congratulate you on your accomplishment. Spending... We will be returning to the ABA area, area,